Welcome to Clark County Today. I'm your host, David Medor. We have Naylene Frunk here today. She's helping with the interview. And the person that we're interviewing here is uh, Cindy uh, Romine. There you go. And you are here with an organization called Called the Rescue. And you are doing a very important, uh, well, rescue operation right here in Clark County. That's uh, surprising, isn't it? Yeah, well, many people don't even realize what's happening here. Can yeah. you tell us what's happening here with our sons and our daughters here in Clark County? Well, David, first of all, thank you very much for having me here. But Clark County is in danger just like most of the cities up and down all of the I-5 corridor stretching from Vancouver, B.C. to Mexico. We're in a very vulnerable area, and uh, Vice Cop Police Officer John Chapman uh, says there's about 100 girls missing right now in Clark County. So 100 of our children, not children in Southeast Asia, not children in Port, downtown Portland, Oregon, but 100 girls out of Clark County missing right now. And so it, it's our job, our responsibility, we feel, as rescuers to you know, get as many connections to all of these missing children as possible, figure out wh where they are, if they've been trafficked, and then go after those children. You say we're in a, a vulnerable area. What makes this area vulnerable? The I-5 corridor is the, our vulnerable area. So because we extend the I-5 corridor from Vancouver, B.C., all the way to Mexico, uh, they pick up kids all the way along. They'll drop them off. They'll pick up others. They'll go all the way down, uh, back and forth up the I-5 corridor. So we're in a very vulnerable position. And then we've got Portland right to the south of us. So the, the survivors that I'm working with from uh, Vancouver, a lot of them were picked up in Portland. They went down to go to a teen club or whatever the reason they went down. And uh, normal... Normal teens, normal teens, not, you know, not necessarily runaways. Everybody thinks these are runaways or children that are on the street. Not always true. So you could drop your daughter off at the mall. Yes. And thinking that they're just going to be there with their friends. Yes. Babysitting for three hours or something like that. And in reality, a good girl. Yes. Uh, innocent girl. Mm -hmm. Good values. Absolutely. A student, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And what what can happen? What what well, does happen here uh, in our county? What happens is a lot of people think the mall is a babysitter, right? I'll just drop the kids off at the mall. You know, they can go shopping a little bit. But what in reality what's happening is they could be meeting someone there. Someone could be, uh, you know, looking at them to groom them to be the boyfriend of the, your daughter. And the boys are in danger. 30% of every child taken are male. So we've got 70% girls, 30% boys. Boys are also up for grabs. So when you say meet somebody, in other words, if they've met somebody online and say, I'll meet you at the mall, this is like a stranger? Or how does this normally be. start? It can be. Uh, one case out of uh, from the Bellevue Mall, which is a very exclusive area, a girl was online. She was emailing a guy, and she said, I'll meet you. She was 17 years old, had a four-year scholarship. She left on April 18th, 2010. We tracked her on the back of Craigslist for a while, and she's gone, and she has not been retrieved. And so we know she's been trafficked. So it can happen just because the child is innocent and they don't quite know what they're getting into. So we need awareness in all the, the schools. Okay, use the term trafficked. What do you mean she's been trafficked? Okay, trafficked in its most horrible form 
is we have an experienced pimp who picks someone up and he takes her immediately from wherever she is to a place she's not comfortable with and doesn't know. So from Portland, they would take him to Seattle. From Seattle, they take him to Portland or on down the, down the I-5 corridor. And uh, these kids are very vulnerable, don't know what they're getting into, think that the guy really loves them if it's been you know online for a while and they've kind of been grooming them to be their boyfriend. Uh, but we also have the situation, and uh, the vice police in Portland uh, have told me that you can have a girl go into a food court in a mall and three hours later be gone. She meets this cute guy. He says, let's get your hair done. Then he says, okay, you owe me money. And so there's this whole thing, and, and the parents might even think it's a runaway situation when actually the guy is a professional knows what he's doing, has targeted our children. I was, I was just going to say, pimping sounds like an industry. And as a, a parent, I'm not thinking there's people out there making uh, a profit off of yeah. something, to me, I didn't even know existed, but it sounds like an industry that they're really this? trying to... Uh, $32 billion a year. If I am in a, the drug cartel... And I sell drugs, I sell them once and they're gone. If I sell guns, one gun, it's finished. If I have a girl or a little boy, it's 20 to 30 times a night. This is the most huge money-making industry. And all everybody's just tacked this on to, they're the same guys. They're the same bad guys. I, in inner city, deep in the heart of a city where it's so urban, uh, the, you would think that that kind of activity happens here. We're more spread out here, where Clark County, it's kind of, uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's not inner city. How much of a threat is it really for a Clark County? Well, if we have 100 children missing right now, to me, one child is too many, David. I agree. One child is too many. Yeah. And so how bad a problem do we have? It's horrendous because we have 100. We don't have one we don't have five. We have 100 children missing. We have 100 families mm -hmm. involved missing their children. You know, the phone call I hate getting is the mom who's kind of sobbing on the other end of the phone. You know, my kid's gone. I and, don't even know what to do. And she's yeah. probably not even aware that this kind of thing can happen. That's right. That's right. First 24 hours are critical. First 48 are huge. And then the police have their hands tied the first 48 hours because the child is considered a runaway, not a missing person. So even if the parent calls up and said, hey, mm -hmm. my child would never run away. That's I have right. a close relationship with my daughter. Mm -hmm. uh, she's gone, and I know this is not a runaway. Mm -hmm. Can't the police respond to that? No, they can't. By law, they, By ha law. they have By to... Law. And, of course, we would say, you know, go find my kid. Yeah. Do something. I'm not going to go to sleep tonight knowing my child is not going home. And when they hear you say, you know, I know my child, my child would never run away, they're thinking in their mind, right. Is because that, they deal with so many kids having problems all the time. It sounds more often that they deal with children that are runaways than Absolutely. they do uh, children that are missing. Mm -hmm. And trafficked, yes. Runaways mm -hmm. happen all the time. But here's what happens with the runaway. So your kid, who's, who's a great kid, uh, decides that it would be fun after school's out because we've just had a bunch of runaways now because school's out, right? School's out, so we can mm -hmm. go and do something. 
So you have this kid who says she's just going to run away. And then what? how is she going to run away? Well, she's in somebody's car or she's with somebody she doesn't quite know very well. And then they get somewhere and then somebody says, well, we don't have any money for this hotel. How are we going to eat? So now she's out on the street making money for gasoline, for food. And she, of course, she turns that over directly to whoever is in charge. She doesn't keep the money. They don't keep the money. Well, what keeps them in in this spot where they're at? I mean, why would they, let's say they're in the mall or All something, right. why in the world would they say, I'm going to go to to Seattle or someplace if they're a good, you know, straight-A student or something? Why would they even fall for that? They do. They're kids. And, you know, brain development teaches us that they're not making their decisions the way an adult would make a decision. Mm-hmm. And of course, we have a lot of adults, and including myself, and I've made decisions and I've thought, now why did I do that? You know, So even as an adult, we make mistakes at, in our decision making. But if you take that down to a 13-year-old, because most the, the normal age is 13, so you bring that down to a 13-year-old, that child does not have that decision making capability and most of the girls think they're in love. I was just going to say what looks so good and so innocent Mm -hmm. on the surface is that these predators Mm -hmm. are are so good at making the evil that we're Mm -hmm. talking about look Mm -hmm. so right. I can just picture my children in a mall. I don't send my children to a mall, but I can just picture the right scenario of my my kid she loves accessories hair accessories and she's just girly girl i can just see another girl her age coming up to her and chatting with her about an accessory Mm -hmm. oh doesn't this look good oh well come and see me in this mirror and will you put this on me and that innocence in my child's mind, she is gullible and sure. naive and pure enough to think that that's really okay. So the first person to uh, approach someone, let's say they haven't met somebody online, they're mm-hmm. just simply at the mall, mm-hmm. you've got somebody that's picking out something mm-hmm. for their hair. So the first person that approaches them may not be a guy. It might be that's a right. girl, right? This is probably the most shocking statistic I can tell you, but 50% of all pimps are women. Really? Yes. I didn't. I, I just. I thought a pimp was a was a guy. Was a guy. You always think a pimp is a guy, but let's say you're the pimp, and you're you've been with him for a long time, working for him. When you get to a certain age, you say, you know what? I could be recruiting. I could be making the money. Why am I working for this dude exclusively? Then you go. You make a deal with him that says, hey, I'll go recruit, and we'll split some of the money. What a great business opportunity for that guy, because a woman, of course, is much less threatening than a man would be to a girl or to a boy. So, yeah, it's really scary out there. It's packaged so innocently, it sounds like. They have a pimp's manual that they study. These guys are professional through and through. So they play on that trust, Mm -hmm. and they build some kind of a... Bond. Any kind of bond. And within the first hour, they know everything about, about the girl. And you can see your 12-year-old doing this, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you, they find out if they've had a fight with mom or dad, if they need new shoes and didn't get them. I mean, they just know everything about the entire family before there's another move made. Those emotional triggers. Yeah. 
kids are so susceptible to mm. how other people, uh, how they see themselves according to how other people mm-hmm. s- express that. And parents don't rate in that scale of being high on that import- list of importance. Absolutely it's not. It's friends <laughs> and other people. It's amazing. Yeah. I guess especially during junior high and high school, yes. is you want to be accepted, you want to be recognized, mm-hmm. and so they play on that. Mm-hmm. Well, and who doesn't want to have a boyfriend if you're a young girl? Everybody wants to have a boyfriend, somebody to talk about. It really is more of a companion thing with your girlfriend, you know, because it's exciting. Uh, but we even have a family who the guy came home with the girl, sat on the couch, had popcorn, watched TV. Finally, the mom is picking up something is not right. And she said, you know, you mess with my girl, you mess with me. He had her out of there just like that. She was out of there, no contact with the house anymore. Your parents don't understand you. They know how to work these children and their emotions. So mm. it, it lines everything up so that moms and dads need to know what their kids are doing and step up into a huge parenting situation, mm-hmm. which I always feel could be a little stronger in almost every family. Well. It's interesting. I was going to ask you, so what do we do in our homes before these outside influence come into them? Mm-hmm. I would much rather do awareness than rescue. Right? I mean, it's much better to save your child than to have to call my phone number. So, great question. And here's the answer to that. There's a lot of things you can do. Number one, your computer, it opens that child to the entire world, not just their friends. You have to see the Internet as it really is. It opens you to the world. It opens your children to the world. So my recommendation is, is the computer sits in the kitchen or wherever you are, Uh, Oh, I have to do homework. Good, you can sit right here and do your homework, right? Get a little tougher as parents and then take the modem. Get it out of there at night. Your children should not have access to a computer at all. That should live in your bedroom. And the same way with their cell phones. You know, kids really hate me for this. But kids stay up till 2 or 3 in the morning texting their friends. And so that's why some of them have bad grades, too. And you just need to take the cell phone, have it charged in your bedroom overnight. And then, you know, it's a 10 o'clock thing, you know, whatever time you guys want to set as your, you know, as parents, Mm -hmm. I'm taking your cell phone. It's going to charge in my, in my bedroom. And then you have to check the cell phone continually to see who they've been texting. If by any chance the whole thing is deleted, you have a problem. You know, you can't let your, your 12 year old, you can't let your 12, 12 year old say, oh, I just deleted it. Oh, no, you delete this sucker and you are in trouble with me. Phone's mine. <laughs> <laughs> For as long as you live, right? So you have to be really careful with all the electronics, especially phones now that connect right to the Internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that's really problematic. You mentioned a situation uh, before our interview here where you would try to make eye contact with a girl in mm-hmm. a mall. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, one of the street things that happens, because we're talking to a, about a whole different culture. We're talking about a street culture, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that every girl is taught is that she can only make eye contact with her pimp or with the guy that's hired her. We call him a John, right? So the pimp or the John. And so that's the only people she can make eye contact with in her lifetime as long as she's with a pimp. So one of the ways I tell if a girl's been trafficked or not is she has this, her head's always down. 
because girls don't go shopping in the mall with their head down. They go shopping with their head up, looking in all the windows. So you see somebody that's walking along with her head down and won't make eye contact with you. So then I just walk up to them and say, hi, how are, how are you guys? You're just shopping today, make light conversation. And they're thinking, who is this crazy person? But there is a reason I'm doing that. It's because my, I, I'm worried about the girl. And then I say something like, hey, did you just get out of school? What school did you just get out of? Because if they've actually been trafficked from city to city, they don't even know the names here. So if you're at the Vancouver Mall, you see somebody walking along, shuffling, you know, keeping their head down, shuffling their feet. That's a sign. Then if you engage them in conversation and you say, where are you? They may not even know what city they're in, much less what schools are in the area. So when you go shopping and you go out in public, and uh, you're actually, are your antennas up? Are you looking to see? Is there... It's terrible. There is no such thing as shopping for me. <laughs> so you're just... I'm always on the lookout, right? So you're very aware of this is something that's, uh, that could be all around you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How often do you run into a situa- situation like that? Uh, I would say maybe I run into that situation three out of six times that I'm in a mall. Really? Within can, a month? Within a mall. In a mall. In a mall. How three to often? Six times? Uh-huh. Three to six, every three to six times I am aware that something bad could be going on and I go and check on it. Absolutely. So it, it's often enough that everybody needs to be aware of it. And one of the questions I'm always asked is, how can we be involved? Well, we have a hotline number, and ever, anybody's free to give me a text uh, and let me know where you're having trouble. But, of course, if you think there is a girl who has been trafficked, dial 911. Get the police there. You don't, you know, they always say, is this an emergency? Well, if some kid has been taken, I would say yes, and they say yes. They the, say yes. Are the police tuned into this? You can say if you call and say, you know, this by by the description, this gal looks like she's being trafficked, Absolutely. or this guy. Yes. And you could call just simply call nine one one and say, hey. Yes. This is these have the symptoms. I'm just being a responsible citizen here. Mm-hmm. Will the will the nine one one operator? normally think that no No, they will put you through they'll usually put you through then if you saw somebody like that and you did say you're not quite as brave as i am and you didn't quite know Uh i would actually just kind of follow them kind of trail them through the mall and as they leave get the description of the car and the driver and the license plate and then just dial that in i think i might have seen this person being not comfortable with who they were with. What about vulnerable situations like at a bowling alley or something like that? Yeah, I've been in that one. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I was at a bowling alley and um, I, they had, you know, they all have arcade games and stuff. And so Mm -hmm. I was looking at the kids in the arcade and my mental thing is, you know, to see who would be trafficked. I thought to myself, you know, if there were two girls ever going to be trafficked, it would be those two girls right there. So bold left the bowling alley, and right outside, when I left, were those two girls talking to a very tall, good-looking, blonde-haired, 25-year-old man driving a brand-new Mercedes. So I walked up, and I said, girls, how you doing tonight? You know, and... And how did they respond? They said, oh... Well, we're just standing here talking to this guy. I said, well, how long have you known him? Oh, we just met, you know. And I said, you know, it's time for you to go back in. And, uh, well, we're waiting for our mother. And I go back in or I'll call security. I want you to go back in right now. And they did go back in. And then I looked at the guy and said, your license plate is XYZ123. 
I'm dialing 911 right now. And I, di I dialed it, and that was that. And he was out of there within two and a half minutes. I promised my husband I would not get killed, right? So I'm very <laughs> That's careful. That's where you'll draw the limit. I, I draw, <laughs> draw the, the line. Yeah, how, yeah. how long have you been involved in this, in this uh, organization? Uh, we have been a nonprofit since November 1992, but I have been rescuing children for 23 years. You've rescued children. Okay, so you've seen the symptoms. You know how it works. Can you tell us about a situation where you actually rescued mm -hmm. a girl or a guy? Mm -hmm. Well, I rescued 11 kids one night. One night? One night, in one night. Uh, and I could have rescued probably 30 that same night. I didn't have room for them. But I was in another country. This was not in the United States. I was in another country. And they were uh, the children of our military men and prostitutes. And I was so upset about that situation because they were on the street, they were being molested, they were being raped regularly, that I took 11 of them home with me that night and had a friend that lived there and we started our first rescue situation. But it was really fun actually because it was kind of like, okay, how old are you? Well, we don't know how old we are. Okay, open your mouth. Okay, you've got six-year molars. Okay, you're about seven. We'll call you seven. You know, and then, okay, okay, what's your name? No, that would be a street name. That is not your real name. What name would you like? And so they all picked names, and we helped them. And then I said, okay, what birthday do we want? And then they figured out that Christmas was really a great time, that December 25th would be a great day to have a birthday, and everybody picked the same so day. So these are kids that were taken when they were really young. They were dumped on the street and used. And they and don't they, even know how old they are. Yeah. They don't know what a life. There's a huge, huge, if you could possibly imagine the world, that every child that is not born in a hospital is an undocumented child and can be trafficked anywhere in the world because they have no names, birthdays, and they have no country of origin. So that's another thing that we're getting uh, our fingers into right now is getting, starting to try to get undocumented children documented. We don't run into that a lot in the United States. In the United States, yeah. You no. were normally born in a hospital, or mm -hmm. if you're born, you've got uh, people Mom there. Mom knew she needed to take you yeah. down and, yeah. Mm -hmm. huh. mm. What about public places? Like you got public transit, mm -hmm. and can you tell us about? Is that some people say, for instance, light rail? Oh, don't bring light rail here. They they say it's crime rail, it's mm -hmm. loot rail, and they say that. But what is it really? Is, it is, is crime rail. <laughs> you know, uh, I think we can just just look at what's happened to the rest of our community. Uh, Gresham, the gangs, everybody moved to Gresham. Uh, the shocker for me was Clackamas Town Center because I worked down there and looked for sex traffic kids all the time. But as soon as the light rail went in, there were probably 25 more security guards down there than ever before because down where where Clackamas Town Center because everybody was you know the gangs and everything were moving that way. Now they had access. Beaverton has problems. Beaverton has a very bad section. You never hear that about Beaverton, but it does. And then. So my thing is, is keep light rail out of Vancouver because we also then keep the gangs, trafficking, everything would explode on our end if it comes to Vancouver, and it will. Well. So we need to stop that if there's any way possible. David, could you take care of that? <laughs> well, you know, the citizens can have to take care of that. The citizens I'm just do one have voice. to step up. Yeah. 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 What can we do to take care of that? We can get people involved in our community 
and we have a few people aren't going to make much difference, but people engaging in the process. Where we're here, we're in the middle of an election season. Well, what leadership do you want? Mm-hmm. You want leadership that's going to bring light rail here mm-hmm. and you know, put us in debt no. to do it. Yeah. Uh, well, get involved. Find out who they are. Make okay. a difference. We'll help people to to uh, see that they can make up their own minds who they want on those issues. So now. Clackamas, the, the, the line that went into Clackamas, that's a relatively new line. It so you got new. the before and the after there. You said yes. 25 security guards. Who's paying for those security guards? I have no idea. If the mall had to pay for those security guards or, of course, ultimately we do. We shop there, right? Or, you know, whoever uh-huh. shops there ultimately has to pay for the extra security that steps up. It's not somebody has to pay for it. You're absolutely right. So the the light rail is serving as a conduit mm-hmm. to are, are the uh, gang are there's the gang members and their mm-hmm. pimps that are using absolutely. that public transportation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and the girls can get everywhere, right? I mean, we've got the guy can take the girl. He can go everywhere. I mean, it's like. The whole thing spreads out, and away we go because they can easily transport the girls. What about our kids using public transportation? How vulnerable are they? More vulnerable than other situations? I think they are personally. My child would never ride public transportation, hmm. or my grandchild now. But yeah, I, that really scares me. That really frightens me. Matter of fact, I had a young man I spoke both at Grant and Madison High School uh, two weeks ago, must be two weeks ago now, right before school was out, and one one guy waited and waited and waited. We met in the public library, I mean the school library, but he waited and waited and waited for me right till the very end. He was already at the door because he didn't want to talk in front of everybody else, and he came up to me and he said, these guys are working every bus stop on this this street and he said it scares me here's a 17 year old kid big kid afraid of who's at the bus stops and who's at the light rail stops i mean it's it it is a serious problem and some of these kids don't have any other way to get to school mm-hmm. so uh if i could interject sure. the as parents we're conditioned to identify the red flags which has often been in the past drugs mm-hmm. Um, and when I hear about an abduction in my neighborhood, I'm thinking sex. I'm not thinking sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. The idea of rape, it just, it's for that moment. And my mind doesn't go any further than that. It's mm-hmm. that guy's it's a one-time abuser, thing. one-time thing. It's an exception. I'm not thinking of that, that abdu- uh, abduction. Mm-hmm. That that man or the abductor, his intention was to actually keep this mm-hmm. commodity, if you will, this person mm-hmm. for this sex trafficking. If we could bring sex trafficking into the same level, the same arena as drugs, alcohol, um, physical, domestic abuse, violence, yeah. violence. Mm-hmm. And actually have that be part of our culture and our thought process, mm-hmm. it I think would help parents yes. um, become more aware mm-hmm. that this needs to be the same as everything else that we've been taught. It's mm-hmm. just not been out there as much. Mm-hmm. There's not been as much awareness. That's right. And, it, and it's not new, but the visibility is becoming more new. We're doing awareness training for trainers, people who want to train in schools and civic 
organizations. We're doing that. And I'm just developing a new uh, training called Mama and Papa Bear trying to train parents to become mama bear and papa bear in their defense the you know the mama bear is the one that you know will take anything on to defend her child and we need a little more of that you know the proactive you're not going to touch my child thing happening and get people you know comfortable enough that if you saw a woman shopping and her three little kids are strangling out behind her that you would go up and say, you know, I could have just taken two of your three kids because they're behind you. It takes a lot of um, guts to do that. <laughs> I mean, it, it could be very hard to do that. But when you see her children at risk, that really is a motivator. So not only look out for your own kids, but also keep an eye for others. Everybody Because else's. we're in a community here, mm-hmm. and you don't know what you might have just protected. Mm-hmm. You just might have prevented something very bad from mm-hmm. happening. And you don't want to go home feeling like, I should have, I could have. Yeah. I'm thinking back to your story about the two girls at the bowling alley. I'm that type of person that will watch as I pass by what's going on there and mm-hmm. bringing back this whole idea of what automatically comes to my mind is drugs. Mm-hmm. And so if I don't see anything mm-hmm. past hands right. or don't see right. anything going mm-hmm. on, I think it's safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I need to start thinking differently. Yes, yeah. And maybe just go stand there and be a friend to these girls and say, mm-hmm. how you doing? Well, good. We'll just wait here till your mom comes. Yeah. 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 You don't even have to confront him. No, don't you don't have to, have to, to be con- confrontational. No, don't even have to say anything to them. You could just stand behind them until the mom comes. You see they're in the car safely and away you go. Huh. Don't have to say a word. That's how citizens can get involved, yet stay safe. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think yeah. there's always that feeling of, well, I'm going to risk my safety. So why should I get involved? Why should I um, Mm -hmm. try to make a difference? Well, we have neighborhood watch just simply for watching houses getting broken into, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But we really have a citizen watch here. Mm -hmm. We're watching for other people's kids. Yes, we are. We should be. Once a girl gets or a guy uh, gets taken, Uh, 24, 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Do they always want rescuing and they're so happy to find it, to, to get out of that? It depends on how they were groomed up to that point. Mm. If they were groomed because I told you how much I loved you and you were so special to me and your family's rotten, if they really loved you, they'd let you do whatever you want. It depends on that process. That person might not say rescue me immediately. But one of my survivors, uh, she was picked up in a very bad situation by someone who looked like he should be help. Respectable, good-looking, no problem, car looks fine. She's in a very bad area, uh, and so he picks her up, takes her uh, home to her apartment. And she was just, just gotten her first job, so she was still under, I think she was still under 18. And he, ju- and he doesn't touch her. He doesn't do anything. He said, tomorrow, I'm going to go to Seattle for my uh, family reunion. You want to come with me? Well, sure, I'll come with you. So she hops in the car going to Seattle for the family reunion. When they get to Seattle, she says, uh, he says, I'm gonna, we're going to stop at a hotel. She said, well, why do we stop at a hotel? Well, because he's trained. He's got a great line, right? He says, well, you know, there's going to be a 1,000 people at the at the." You know, the house, I'm just going to put you here so you have rest and you don't have to worry about everybody and blah, blah, blah. So he gets her into the hotel room. He has a duffel bag with him. He uh, takes the duffel bag. He dumps it out on the bed. He ties her to a chair. He dyes her hair blonde, has an outfit for her to wear, takes her down to the streets, dumps her on the street, tells her what she's going to do, 
and some person, as she's crying hysterically, bought her. So because he, they don't care if this person is willing or not. It's almost a thing if she's not. Well, she's an inanimate object. object yeah, but she's a commodity she's, for if their she's profit. She's fighting. There's certain people who actually prefer well, that. prefer that. Yeah. It's just so sad. So there's really two sides to this. Well, well there's, there's, there's the victim. Mm -hmm. There's the, this person that is betraying their trust and mm -hmm. building everything on deception. Mm -hmm. But then you got the customers, those individuals, those Johns, mm -hmm. that are willing to pay them money mm -hmm. to abuse these kids. So hooray Washington State. We have a law that's maybe a year and a half old now that you can, you can get 12 years for trafficking a child or being with a child. Oregon, within the last month, has first offense, a soliciting a minor, $10,000, second offense, $20,000, third offense, $20,000, and time in jail. And uh, Texas, I don't know how anybody feels about the death penalty, but if you get caught with a child in Texas, you are on death row. Mm -hmm. Because it's serious. For a person to take a child who is under 18 years of age, even one day under, I say even three, day, uh, three years older. I mean, what is the 18 magic number in our society? Why is that the magic number? Mm -hmm. We have a child mm -hmm. who does not know what they're doing, has been taken, and now we're using them sexually. It is our disgrace. Hmm. What's the consequence for the, the John, the guy who hires one of these underage kids? Well, that's what I was talking That's the John. That's the John, so the $10,020. Okay, versus the pimp. The pimp, that's a whole other deal. If they find a pimp and they can convict him, but they have to have somebody to testify. And these girls are scared to death because they've already been told their parent, their family is going to be killed. So, I mean, they've already been told, don't go to the police. We're going to come back and kill all your family. We're going to, I mean, they're, they're beaten every day. These, mm -hmm. these girls are absolutely uh, victims, total victims of violence. And not just physically or sexually. Mentally, emotionally, mentally, yeah. and psychologically, it sounds like just their insides, the intangible scars, like I like to call them, mm -hmm. are there's so much mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. that a recovery program would need to be intense and long extensive, for that extensive, to yeah. heal. Mm -hmm. Th those those are the kind of scars I think that children have a hard time mm. getting over. Absolutely, and parents as well. The 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 bond that a child and parent have when something like that comes in. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not an expert in this area, and I, I wouldn't know. But it seems to me that it would be much easier to go through the rehabilitation process of mm. a rape um, than one time, uh, yeah, one time yeah. than the emotional and psychological. Uh, uh, severance of the parent-child relationship. I mean, you mm -hmm. hear a lot about uh, a guilty complex where the child may feel like they're the reason they, that this has happened. Absolutely. And how do you get over that? How, you can't tell them every single day and have it be effective if that is something mm -hmm. that they're internally struggling with. And you, then you who do they go back to? I mean, yeah. all of it is huge. We've got, uh, in September, we'll have a house set up in Northeast Portland. Uh, we've, we need more homes that will take these kids. Uh, it is not easy. It is not easy. And it mm. can, like you say, it can be dangerous. You have a commodity that you're now housing. Depending on how much that commodity makes per year, the average one girl 
makes $200,000 a year for every pimp. He has four or five girls in the stable, and it's all tax-free. Hmm. How do you beat that? And then you bring her off the street, and she may be tortured and stuff while she's being, you know, verbally abused, emotionally abused, but she also is getting everything she could possibly want materially. I was just going to say something like that. Is that drugs are drugs. You can have a dog sniffing drugs, and they're drugs. Mm -hmm. You can have a test for it. But how do you test a girl and say 100% she's being abused? I mean, there, there's no physical evidence yeah. if she says she's not, and the pimp or John that we all know are pimp and John, if they say, no, she's not, she's just my girlfriend, or no, she's mm -hmm. my maid, or whatever it may be, it's not as easy or it's concrete not yeah. like drugs mm -hmm. are. The nice thing is both of these laws in Washington and Oregon state that you as an adult cannot say, I didn't know how old they were. It is now your responsibility. Hmm. We're not going to let you off the hook because of that. When you rescue a girl mm -hmm. or a guy, mm -hmm. uh, do they uh, stay rescued or do they sometimes go back? Oh, absolutely they go back. They say why would they go back to a, I mean, if, if they've been beat, they've been threatened, all of that, why in the world would they go back? Part of it is money. Because when I, you know, I get a girl off the street, she's used to having everything she wanted, and now I'm going to say, okay, you need to get a job. Well, she's been trafficked for years. What are you going to put on her resume? She has no resume. Her schooling is bad. We don't have any schooling. We have no, we can't do anything, period. We, can't, we don't even know really probably computer all that well. I mean, these girls have been isolated from their own normal culture for a long time now. And I say to them, okay, well, we know we can get you a job at McDonald's. Hmm. Well, at McDonald's, they could work all month and make what they made in one night. So wow. that is tough. What are the three, I'm thinking there are three end, uh, end final destinations where this leads. It leads to either murder Mm -hmm. Depression and suicide. Yes. Or you become they become a source of babies for feeding into the system. Is there more, or is, are those disease? Disease is a huge one. Feeding babies into the system is great, but probably what you don't realize is they feed babies into the system to the traffickers. So they want them kids that young. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then they grow them to a certain age, and then they. Yeah. So do, is there, go ahead. I was going to say there's pedophiles out there that are, opens a whole new mm -hmm. dynamic mm -hmm. on this Part issue. Part of what no one wants to know. Part of what no one wants to know. Plus we have, we're not just dealing with trafficking, we're dealing with child porn. I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole nother jillion billion in mm. dollar industry. So we've got that happening and then the kids can be used for that. It's very, um, it's just really sad. So let's, let's suppose somebody, you rescue a girl, mm -hmm. and she has been just psychologically really messed up. Mm -hmm. How do you help her? Well, the first thing you have to do is make sure that before you can do anything that they're drug-free, right? So we have to get them detoxed. And that takes however long that takes using the right medical people then they throw them into good counseling 
and then usually the counselors when they get done with certain girls they'll give them to me or another organization like call to rescue for further rehabilitation and we just meet with them and we help them through all the loops and hoops of getting through um, getting your children back uh, getting an apartment finding a job, then that would fall to different nonprofit organizations to help those girls do that. Can they be reintegrated back into their original family successfully? Yeah, a lot of them are, and it's great. How do they deal with it? They must suffer with guilt. How do they deal with the guilt? Well, mom and dad have to get over that, absolutely. What about the girl? The girl, actually, the girl, I have an easier time usually with the girl than mom and dad, because if I'd been a good parent, would she ever been taken? You go through all that really parents struggling with this and uh, then the girl somewhat but I haven't run into a whole lot of that because they self-identify immediately what do you mean they if I'm on the street and I'm going into a public place and I'm going to be with 20 to 30 people a night I get so I can walk in do what I'm told to do and walk out and not remember who that person was what they look like or even where I was there has to become a self-identification or you can't do it. Or you would have the suicide thing a lot earlier. In Again, yeah, I, I'm still trying to get clarification what a self-identification is. Okay, that sounds like you're just simply masking things off to become a zombie. You do. Absolutely. Motions shut down. We don't remember who we're with. don't remember what the situation was. We don't care. We have to mask that completely off. So that, And that's part of the rehabilitation is getting her to trust and feel and... In other words, to become a person again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. In comparison to turning off your mental faculties. Absolutely. And, of course, we deal with that in any child that's abused. Any woman that has domestic violence, you run into the same thing, where you look at them and you say, well, how are you doing? And they they don't really cry. You know, they just... The emotions are gone. Yeah, they just tell the story. This is what happened, blah, 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 blah. Sounds like an innate coping mechanism, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a self-preservation mechanism. Wow. So we, we're aware of the problem. Yes, we are. And this is, this is a dark side we don't want to talk about. Uh, but what do we do to help the situation? How do we prevent it? And how, how do we help those people that, and how do we become involved? So what? What do we do? So tell me. Help me. Yeah. So Call to Rescue is here to help you. Okay. And you can come to training, awareness training. We do uh, at least once a month in all kinds of different areas up and down the I-5 corridor. And we just tell you what to look for, what the street language is, what you might see, how you would identify a building that held a bunch of girls, all kinds of interesting things like that. We also teach you self-defense, how to stay safe. And then, uh, of course, we're starting Mama Bear training where we learn how to be a little more aggressive in our and not be afraid of feeling no, I am gonna. Pro- I am gonna take care of my. So kids. for us guys, we, think, we don't relate to the mama bear thing. Mm-hmm. But we think of a, of a of a of a mom bear that's been robbed of her cubs. We get that part. We get that, that. mom's gonna fight mm-hmm. to the death mm-hmm. to protect those. Mm-hmm. And you better stay away from mm-hmm. that. So you're you're recommending that parents take a very proactive, responsible role to defend their kids, watch mm-hmm. out for their kids, and stand up to somebody who may be a threat to their kids. Yeah. And you know, I was on the street Friday night looking for a girl with her mom, her dad, grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends. You mean somebody was just taken Friday night locally here in Clark Vancouver, County? yeah. And I, first thing I do is check downtown Portland. But being with the parents, 
If I could have every person on the face of the earth be able to see mom and dad's face as they're looking and searching with their eyes up and down the streets, up and down the alleys, trying to see their little girl, I'm telling you, we would not have any more missing children. We have to understand the emotion that has to rack our being mm. toward the protection of our children. And we need to all become, even the men, mama bears. Yeah. You've got to become very proactive in, in saving your own children. You said you had an 800 number. Can you give that? I don't, it's not an 800 number, you but a it's a hotline number. number. Yeah, well, 360 901 One more time. 360-901-0390. Okay. Do you have a website? I do. Calledtorescue.org. Okay. Called, past called, tense. E-D, called, C-A-L-E-D. Uh-huh. And you have an email address? Yep. Uh, Cindy.calledtorescue at gmail.com. Cindy with an I? Sit, oh, no, it couldn't be, my mother couldn't make it that easy. <laughs> yeah, C-Y-N-D-I, C-Y-N-D-I dot okay. call to rescue at gmail.com. Okay, mm-hmm. and your role, you said that you, when it comes to the, the uh, follow-up, uh, when somebody's rescued, you might be involved in rescue, or you might be, somebody else might rescue, and then you get involved. That's right. And you do counseling? We do, and we do mentoring through the process, and I ha- actually have some survivors that will help them through all the steps on how to get through state stuff, and you know, and figure out how to get warrants off their their record. And I mean, we we try to help them with everything to get right back on a normal, great path and have success in that. The sooner we can get them success, the least you know, we don't have to worry about them going back. And back to the the building relationships or meeting people online. That's line. That sounds like one of the most dangerous, deadly, vulnerable situations that kids get into. And yet they're on it all the time with Facebook and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, you mentioned Craigslist. What does Craigslist have to do with? Well, Craigslist used to have a back backside that was completely X-rated. You could go on Adult, click on that, and you could buy girls right off Craigslist. They clamped that down, but they let everybody know they were clamping that down. And so other, there are now other websites that will not be named that you can go on and buy your girls right off of those websites and certain websites for more for certain areas. So, you know, all up and down the I-5 corridors, there's different websites that someone who's lost a child can go in and look at those pictures and actually see if their kid's on one of those sites. Wow. And it's your worst nightmare. It is your worst nightmare. So parents have really got to be tuned in to what their kids mm-hmm. are doing online and with their, with, mm-hmm. with their, just their connection to the world. Yeah. You know, and kids will say things like, if you don't let me do it, I'll kill myself. Mm. I don't care. You're not doing it. Mm. <laughs> we just have to get uh, yeah. a little tougher, you know, as parents. Yeah. 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 Can you tell us about, um, uh, in general, a story of a survivor and, mm-hmm. and what their life is like now because of your mm-hmm. intervention? Um, you know, I love these girls. They have they have come through and made enormous recovery. As we've spoken, we understand how much recovery. But I have two girls right here in Vancouver who have children now. One's married. One has her kids. She's raising her kids, and she's just, you know, has a good job. And, you know, if you can see one of those come back like that, it really... it inspires me and drives me on to watch the rest of them come to that point of success also. And they're able to help others that they are, are experiencing all what they've this. experienced. Yes, they're all working in this. So you're not alone. 
I am not alone. I have a huge team of people, people who've gone through the awareness training who are now trainers. Uh, we're starting a uh, citizens task force, and you have to. It's by invitation only. So, you, so somehow you've got to get to me, figure out who I am, and become my best friend before you can do it. Because I can't have guys out there that are hot-headed that will get me killed. Because that's my promise to my husband. And you know, and so we need girls that are solid, that can actually go into a strip club or something with me and see uh, what's going on and and talk to, hmm. you know, it. And I kind of you know lead you up into that point so that it's not too shocking for you. But it's shocking. Everybody can help in their own way, it sounds Absolutely. like. Absolutely. Call 911 if you suspect something, mm -hmm. or if you're having trouble with your kid at school, go to the school counselor, get some help, and get the kid help immediately. Mm -hmm. And not don't leave a problem. Go unleashed, right? Don't say, I can't do this. I can't control my own child. If you can't control your own child, get help right away. Mm -hmm. And you can go call to rescue.org. I will help you. Email me. My email's on there. And um, we'll we'll help anybody in any way possible. And it sounds like if you see some what what looks like well this this gal just they just took her minutes count. It sounds like minutes minutes count. Where can you get the you? get the description of the vehicle? Get the yes. description of the uh, get the the license plate. Yes. Look at who you're looking at. Because most of us can go through a grocery line, leave, get in our car, and we could never describe the checker. Mm -hmm. So look at who you're actually looking at. Am I right? Mm -hmm. you pay more attention yeah, pay to more attention. everything yeah. outside our, our world, mm -hmm. my box. Mm -hmm. And I am. I'm mm -hmm. challenged right now to start paying more attention to the things that are going on around mm -hmm. me and my community yeah. you know, instead they have of my own comfort new zone. new TV show, What Should I Do? Or What Would You Do? What mm -hmm. Would You Do? I love that show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Come on, let's go, guys. We're Americans. Let's do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very independent. Mm -hmm. So we just need to watch out for each other. That's right. Mm -hmm. And you're right here in Vancouver. I am. I'm right here in Vancouver. So you are on you are on guard, and you want our community to know that we need to be on guard. Mm -hmm. Get engaged. That's it. Yeah. Good. Thank you for Thank you. your involvement and the significant role that you play in making a difference in the community. And uh, in doing it in the community, it's a ripple effect, and and you even have direct ties to other parts of the world. Thank you. Challenge. Yes. Thank you. Sorry. Don't be sorry. <laughs> We're glad you're here. Thank you. That wraps it for Clark County today. Thank you very much.